Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Hi, my name is Andres Lorza. Uh, I've become to Slate Church since um, April 2021. We come to Canada in April of the 2021. Um, we feel it. We feel it. The calling from from the Lord uh, on my heart at the Slate. We feel it inside to say, go to Slate. Go to Slate, I want to be there, but inside me, say, oh my God, we want to go to other church, we don't speak English, we don't want to understand nothing. Uh, basically, my wife don't speak nothing about English, and my daughter just started the learning process. But, yeah, uh, that weekend, we participate in the watching parties, uh, we don't understand much, but God, some way, took inside me or inside us all the things the the Pastor Brandon say in the service. Inside, we we feel it. All this world, all the things God has for us, we feel it uh, this morning. Inclusive when I come back. To home with my wife, I ask him, "You understand something?" <laughs> I say, "I don't understand, but I feel like God told me that." In this moment, when we returned in person, um, God called me to serve in media. For the last 15 years ago, uh, I served in my phone in my home country in media too, but. I say to the Lord, how, how can I serve if I don't speak English? In that moment, when I am praying, God answered me. And they say, I call you to serve, to serve me. And I don't call you to serve the men. Dedicate yourself to me where you belong, and I will do the rest. For who is greater, the one who is in the table or the one who is serving? Luke 22:27. This is not one who is in the table, but I am among you as one who serves. And yet, God is calling us, is in, invite us to serve and love everything to God love. Wow. Wow, wow. That's a beautiful story. And also, Andre and his family, you guys have, I think you're in here, I think I saw you come in, you have a beautiful family, and you really exemplify that 
that servant heart. And that's so incredible to see. And it's, it's also inspiring to see. Uh, I do want to highlight some of the teams we have here at Slate Church. We, uh, our church isn't built off of, you know, professionals or, I mean, we do have some professionals in our teams, which is amazing, but that's, we're built off of just ordinary people and people who decide uh, that they want to serve and they want to be a part of, of building God's church, not our own church, not making Slate famous or making it so we can have an incredible Sunday service. We're doing it because we want to build God's church and we really do want to see people come into relationship with God. And one way we can do that is serving on our teams. I think of some of the people who who already do serve so faithfully. Uh, I think of, you know, John Beza. He's out in the lobby pretty much every Sunday I see him and he's holding a sign or he's, you know, opening up. Yeah, we can give it up to John. <laughs> give it up for John. <laughs> he's great. Uh, but he always has a smile and he just serves so faithfully. I think of also Rachel. She's also on our media team. She serves every Thursday morning uh, for prayer morning and she sets up those screens and has them going on throughout the uh, throughout the prayer morning service. I think of Sam. He serves on a lot of teams, but he also, during the week, he's like the funniest youth leader. So there's some incredible people at our church, and we want to invite you to be part of serving on some of our teams, because we can't do this alone. We can't do church without you. Uh, we really are one big family, one big team working together. So if you are interested in being part of any of our teams here, talk to somebody in a host t-shirt or go to the orange table uh, at the after service and uh, and be part of what we're doing here. You, this could be your first Sunday. It could be your hundredth Sunday. It doesn't matter. We want to invite you to be part of uh, a part of this with us. Awesome. Well, you know what? I think we have another video. We got three videos today. This is a good Sunday. <laughs> uh, before we introduce the video, oh. I just wanted to introduce like the no one else is coming. I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. We planned this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Not five minutes before. But anyways. Uh, yeah, so this is the third week of No One Else Is Coming. I don't know about you guys, but this has just been a very powerful sermon series for me to be able just to help encourage me to be able to go and to seek the people like outside these four walls and be able just to help try and bring people in to know the love of Jesus. And so uh, why don't we just turn their heads towards the screen to watch the video, and then we'll welcome Pastor Brandon up to welcome to preach the word. All right. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah. <laughs> now, don't be tentative on the claps. This isn't a uh, funeral home. Um, in fact, I've sometimes heard better, better um, response at a funeral home. So feel free to engage and um, 
everything else. Let's make sure this is center, right in front of that camera there. There we go. <laughs> is that better? <laughs> awesome. Uh, how's it? I already asked how everybody's doing this morning. I don't need to ask you again. You're doing well. Um, my name is Brandon. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma. And uh, Emma's not here right now. She'll be here in the 1015. All of our kids this past week got hand, foot, and mouth disease, which is just abhorrent. Um, some other dirty slate kid uh, transferred it to our children. And yeah, it's, uh, it's going around. But no, um, I think maybe our kids started passing it around. So now it's just this like web of, um, I guess teachers are saying right now that hand, foot, and mouth is spreading faster than COVID. And I'm like, that's scary. And uh, so anyway, Theo's here. He's fully recovered. Emma's coming. Our house is doing okay. We got like two hours of sleep last night. So uh, this is going to be a great message because anything could be said uh, in the next few minutes. But I'm really glad that you chose to join, join and gather with us here this morning. Uh, can we give everybody who's here for the first time just a round of applause, I guess? There's your applause. Thanks for showing up. But it really is good to have you. Um, you know, at Slate Church here, we do have signs all over the place that says, Welcome Home. And, uh, you know, as we went through a lot of different things during the pandemic, and we decided to change up some of our language and some of the things that we would say, and um, we, we just, we, we really analyzed a lot of the different things that we were doing. Um, this phrase, it's like, hey, uh, is this something that really fits us and whatever else? And yet, I think it's one of these things that fits us better than almost anything else, because this is a home, and this is a family, and we are the family of God. And for those of you that are here this morning, our hope and our goal would be that this is a place that you would find family, and you'd find uh, people that, that love you, and people that can know the real you. And so we just want to welcome you here this morning. Greg already introduced our series this morning, and didn't Greg just do such a great job? Sarah Ruth did too, but Greg is... Listen, we've been getting more and more people just up behind a mic uh, that represent our church because we just want you to meet great people. And Greg is one of these people. It's just wonderful. And uh, he's not on staff, uh, for those of you that don't know Greg, but he is um, one of the most faithful dudes in our church, and he disciples so many people in our PM services. He's got this, like, holy, righteous anger that burns inside of him. Sometimes we're like, Greg, reel it in a little bit, bro, like you're scaring people. But he doesn't scare anybody because he's just so friendly. Um, but we're really thankful for you, Greg, and thankful for the way that you live at your faith, and thanks for uh, doing some emceeing this morning. Um, I'm going to waste no time getting into this morning's message, and uh, I hope that it is a message that stirs us to action after this. The first couple of weeks, we've talked about the fact that nobody else is coming to save us from our sin. Nobody else is coming to save us from our plight as humans except for the name and the person of Jesus Christ. The next week, Emma spoke on the fact that nobody else is coming to embolden us or, or empower us to do all that God is calling us to do. The Holy Spirit is the one that has been sent, and no one else is coming to uh, give us the courage and boldness that we need to live out this call. So um, we've already talked about Jesus. We've talked about the Holy Spirit, and I, it will go without saying that we are bringing those messages into this place this morning. But this morning, I want to talk about this idea of actually going out with the message of Jesus. Um, because sometimes it can just be easy to hear, yeah, Jesus loves me, he's come, he's saved me, he's come for the world. It's easy to sometimes hear that God has uh, filled us with his spirit and, and we're ready to, and, and we, can be, we can be comforted by that and all the rest. But all of a sudden when, it, when we turn the gears to like, hey, so like, who have you told in the last year about Jesus? We all start to get a little bit nervous. And we're like, well, not that message. Like, I, just let's talk a little bit more about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'm not yet ready for that. I need another podcast. I want to suggest this morning 
that we don't need another podcast. We don't need another friend to tell us to do something. We don't need another uh, message on why we should go share the gospel. We need to allow the truths to sink so deeply within us about Jesus Christ that it naturally outflows out of who we are. And so that's where we're going this morning. And if you have to remain quiet because you feel convicted, if I wasn't speaking, I'd probably stay quiet. That's okay. But if God's doing something in you this morning, allow him to do that because I believe that we could really do a lot together as a church in this region that we call home. So usually I read the Bible and then I pray, but I think I need to just relax for a second. And so why don't we pray and then I'll read. God, thank you for bringing us all here this morning. And God, I thank you for what you're up to. And I thank you, God, for just, um, yeah, the many ways in which you are moving uh, within and through our church. God, this morning we come to you and we uh, we, we want to worship you, and we have worshiped you, but God, God we also want to hear from your word, and we want to be encouraged in the ways in which we should go. So God, I pray that you would come and uh, speak only words that you could speak. God, may it not be in the way of that. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, I want to pick up in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're talking about the, we're going to be reading about the local, the local church. Yes, the local church. Uh, in, in the Middle East at the time. But we're reading about the early church. The, the church of Jesus is just getting its start. And as the church of Jesus Christ is just getting its start, it runs into a bunch of different things. Namely, that they keep getting thrown in prison and they keep coming out with even more boldness and even more power um, speaking about who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And so after one such incident where the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, they don't like what the disciples are saying, I might need to grab another mic because uh, it's just uh, something's going on with it. If somebody could grab me that. Um, uh, after one such meeting with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, which were the uh, religious leaders of that time, what we find is that there's a, there's a response that they give to this, these religious leaders. Um, I, I could go get the mic too. That's, that's totally fine. under heaven given to men by which we must be saved when they saw the courage of peter this is the religious leaders when they saw the courage of peter and john and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with jesus now this is going to be the part of this passage that we land on this morning that they were ordinary men they were uh, unschooled ordinary men and that they took note that these men had been with jesus but since they could not see the man, because they had just been, they, uh, Peter and John had just healed somebody. But since they could, could not see them, sorry, let me back up here. My eyes are failing me. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could do. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows what they, that they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further the, uh, among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in, his, in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help 
speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So I want to talk about the early church and um, just a few of the things that were going on in the early church at the time. And one of the things that I want to speak to in this is as we read the book of Acts, we really do have a, um, we have a recording of all the things that the early church was doing during this time. And having this recording is really encouraging to us because we get to see how the early church was after being with Jesus. We get to see what the early church prioritized after spending all this time with Jesus. And we got to see what the early church was doing as they are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out. And by reading the book of Acts, we get to take a bit of a glimpse into what was happening then so that we could set our expectations for what we should be expecting now as we live out and be the church here in the year 2022. Uh, one of the things that I just want to remind us of is that we are still a early church ourselves. <laughs> I, I think for some of us, we're, we forget that five years is actually a short amount of time. Like five years is not a long time as a church. Five years is not um, like this, this, this like monstrosity of amount of time. It doesn't leave a long legacy behind us, although we didn't just pop up out of nowhere. There's a lot of people that came before us and set the, the pathway in front of us. But we are only a church that is five years old. And one of the interesting things that I think that happened during the pandemic is that pre-pandemic, we all kind of understood that we were a church plant. But all of a sudden, we went through this really difficult thing together, and we all gathered back together uh, after the pa pandemic. And some of us joined us at that time, and some of us, like Andre and his family, joined us in the middle of the pandemic. And we came back almost feeling a little bit more established, like, hey, we had seen a few things. Like, we got in a street fight with COVID, and look, we may have just won. Like, this is, this is pretty great. But in all of that, I think we forget that we need to still have the greediness of, an, of a church plant. You know, you see these baptisms that happened this past week, and there's five baptisms. And people get baptized, and what we do when people get baptized, and good news, we're going to start having baptisms here at Landmark as well. We got the approval um, from Landmark, which is really cool. Um, it's going to mean that you guys need to bring some people to get baptized, so that's on you. But um, that's where we're going. This feels spicy already, doesn't it? Do I... I should just turn the fireplace down just a little bit. Um, but this is where we're going. This is how God gave it to me. This is how I'm going to speak it. Um, but you, you watch people get baptized, and they'll share, like, wonderful things about what God has done in their lives. I mean, so many stories about God releasing people from addiction and, and, uh, and, and people that grew up in broken families and, and, and God bringing restoration to their, to their families. And, and so often we'll sit and we'll listen to baptismal stories and we'll sit in, the, in our living rooms and listen to stories of people that have just met Jesus. And we can get this sense, like, isn't it cute how, how passionate they are about their faith? And sometimes we'll even utter these things, and I've heard older people in the church say, and certainly nobody in our church, and actually I've never heard anybody in our church say this, but people that have been Christians for many years will be like, yeah, everybody kind of comes out of the gate like that, but they'll find their way. And here's the thing. I think it's, it's kind of wrong for us to assume that people lose their passion for that, the salvation that they received in Jesus Christ. In fact, I think that's part of the problem with the church today is that we forget the day of our own salvation and therefore we forget what it could mean for the people around us. Similar to an early church or a church plant that has a lot of grit that goes out and, 
and, um, and, and, and goes and shares the good news of Jesus, one of the things that we can fail to do as we mature as a church is stop, to have that, stop having that like, urge to go out and share the good news of Jesus with those around us. Far be it from us as a church, Slate Church, to forget that we exist to see people that are far from God come into relationship with him. And we can only do that if we're in relationship with those that are far from God. Now, what we see in the early church is that they, the early church kind of follows a pattern. The pattern is this, is that something happens in their lives or something happens in the early church, and the response is to share the good news of Jesus. So get this. The Holy Spirit falls in the upper room, and the response... by the early church. And so rather than celebrating what God has done, they put these men on trial. And what do they do in response to a man being healed and being put on trial? They share the good news of Jesus. And then they decide, you know what, let's throw these guys in prison. And so they throw these guys in prison. And what is their response for being thrown in prison? They share the good news of Jesus. In fact, it would seem that the early church, no matter what was thrown at them, turned it into an excuse to share the good news of Jesus rather than an excuse not to share the good news of Jesus. And I just wonder in our own lives, like how many of us are turning the events in our lives into an opportunity to share about the good news of Jesus? Like how many of us are, are filled with that desire when somebody says like, man, you like, like your family, like you just seem sort of different. Or my neighbors will be like, man, are you going out again on Sunday morning? I'm like, kind of my job, I have to, you know. But how many of us are using any circumstance and any reason we can to share the good news of Jesus? I think that God's put a lot of bold dreams on our church. And one of these dreams is to make disciples of all of Ontario. Now, what does that mean? Has anybody taken more time to think about the church that you're a part of, making disciples of all of Ontario? Like, what in the world does that mean? Because I'll tell you what it means, is that a world right now that says that we are post-Christian, it's nothing to do with Jesus, and that God is dead, thank you, Nietzsche, for all of these different things, we're, we're, we're standing up as a church and we're saying, no, God is not done yet. God is not done with Canada, he's not done with our province, he's not done with our region, and we want to make disciples of all of Ontario. But making disciples of all of Ontario starts with making one disciple. How many of us in this past five years have made a disciple? Like we can say, like, like we introduced Jesus to them, we brought them into the, in, into the family of God, we walked with them, we, we taught them, we, we answered questions as they had difficulties around their faith. Like how many of us can look back on the last five years and say, I can actually say that I made a disciple in the last five years? Now, nobody's putting up their hands because they feel like it's a rhetorical question. But this is part of the question we have to answer for ourselves if we're going to make disciples of all Ontario. You can't make disciples of all of Ontario until we start making disciples of our neighbors and our friends and our families and our coworkers. Because the only way disciples are made of all of Ontario is if each of us are going out one by one and seeing a discipleship multiplication movement happening here in our province. But that starts with us going, you know what, I'm going to take it seriously that I'm called to go make disciples. I'm not just called to, 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 to set up an environment where we invite people in to worship God and have a good experience. No, we're, we're called to equip the saints to go out and make disciples. Amen? The room is really quiet right now. 
uh, again, if I was in a reverse position, I'd just be there. And, and as I was preparing this message, a little bit, of, a little part of me was like, God, like, uh, I don't want to speak this message because I'm not at the place in which I want to be. As my grandfather told me, so like, one time I was talking to my pop, and he was very close to me. And uh, as a cop, like, sometimes, But my poppy, um, I was like, poppy, like, sometimes I speak and I'm like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Should I, like, um, should I just, like, water this down? <laughs> essentially what I was asking. He said, never lower the standard of your face in your life. Like, try to lower this standard. And he was like, I'm not doing as well in this area of life as I want to. The church, we have to bring this in the We have to allow God to work in our lives. We have to allow great commission allowed Jesus sacrifice and he's given power to us to go in and make disciples. And the other thing that we talk about a lot as a church is that not only do we want to make disciples of all of Ontario, but I want to see this region be a region that's known for Jesus. And guys, we live in a beautiful region. I, I didn't always believe this. I grew up in Coburg, Ontario, and uh, in my teen years, I discovered that Coburg had a beach. It's like, how do you learn that... Uh, <laughs> When you're in your teenage years, has anybody ever been to Coburg or ever been to the beach there? Anybody believe it's like, it's, I think it's the nicest beach on Lake Ontario at least. Um, I think the reason my parents never took us there is because radioactive Port Hope was like next door. And they're like, they didn't want us to turn into like aliens or something going into the water. But at, at, as a teenager, I, like, I fell in love with Coburg. And so when I moved to Waterloo, honestly, I remember thinking, like, I'll marry Emma and we'll go move to somewhere nicer <laughs> is my initial thought. I was like, I came from, like, this beautiful beach town. And then I was like, I'm dating somebody that lives in a place called Waterloo that has no water. I, I don't understand it. It's got, like, a river going through and everybody's, like, super proud of it. And that's why, like, we never go look at it, right? And, and I was like, man, like, what in the world? But as I started to spend time here, God started to change my heart. And that's what will often happen when you commit yourself to an area. God will start to, like, turn your biases towards that place. All of a sudden, I'm like an advocate. I, I should be paid by the region of Waterloo for the amount that I talk about Waterloo when I'm not in Waterloo. I'm, like, in another church, and I'm, like, trying to convince those people in that church to move to Waterloo because it's so great, right? And the reason for this is not because I think it's beautiful, not because I think the architecture is great, not because I think it's located in the, the right place. The reason I love Waterloo so much is because I believe God wants to do something here amongst me and amongst my friends and amongst the people that we live in. Listen, Waterloo is known for education. Waterloo is known for tech. Waterloo is known for uh, uh, insurance companies. Waterloo is known for a lot of different things. But I believe that one day Waterloo will be known for the name of Jesus. But it's going to take us making disciples. It's going to take us making disciples. I find it interesting that the thing that is, that is, that is most noticeable about these early disciples, specifically Peter and John, is that they took note that these men had been with Jesus. This is in verse 13. So they had kind of brought them in to question them and, and to see what was going on. And it says, it says that one of the things that stood out about these people is that they had been with Jesus, that they knew who Jesus was. See, I think one of the most convicting realizations I had in my life one time and uh, I, stopped, I stopped talking about it because somebody was 
actually offended by it. And I didn't mean for it to be something that somebody took offense by. In fact, nothing that I say, I ever want anybody to take offense over. Um, but this thing in particular, I said it one time, and then somebody came back, and like that really offended me. And I was like, okay, maybe, I, maybe it's not true. But I've had like a number of years to sit with it and, it, and it comes back, and it convicts me the more that I think about it. And the thought is this, is that for a lot of us, the reason we have such a hard time sharing our faith with others is because our faith in Jesus is not real to us on a day-to-day basis. And the reality is, is that that's the reality. Because sharing our faith with Jesus, like if we came out of this message this morning, we came out just feeling guilty that we haven't made a disciple and we feel convicted that all we should do is go and like land blast this world with the message of Jesus and all buy megaphones and milk crates and go set up on different street corners in Waterloo and just yell at people. If, if, like, if that's all it took, I mean, we'd be doing it out of the wrong motivations. But the reality is, is that the way we should be motivated to share this good news of Jesus, the way, that, the way that these disciples were motivated to continue to share Jesus, no matter what was going on in their context, was not because they were ordered to do it, but because they knew who Jesus was. And there's a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's a difference between knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus. What I mean by this is that even the demons know who Jesus is. We have scripture that says, like, they, they know who Jesus is. They know who he proclaimed to be. They know more about our scripture than we know ourselves. Does, they, does that make them followers of Jesus? Absolutely not. And so what we have to discern in our lives is, are we, have we become content with just knowing Jesus without knowing him on a personal level? Because we can learn all of the different facts about Jesus. We can study Jesus. We can sit in on messages like this. We can get offended in a message like this and go find a church that's going to make us, um, uh, fill us with the things we want to hear. Like, like we can go and learn who Jesus is somewhere. But are we following Jesus to the point where we're able to risk it all and say, Jesus, even if they throw me in prison, I'm still going to share about what you're doing in my life today because it means that much. Now, I got caught... Um, uh, being a bit of a, uh, a poser is what I would have been called when I was in grade three. Uh, does anybody still use that word? Has anybody ever, anybody under the age of 25 ever heard the word poser? I don't know. Um, but that used to be reserved for, yeah, skateboard community. You know what I'm talking about. And so I remember I was like dress up in skate stuff. I'd have my tech decks at school. And one day some kid called me a poser and I was like, what? And that was the most offensive thing you could tell a kid in grade three. And I just remember going home and having an existential crisis. And I'm like, I got to learn how to ride the skateboard so people can't call me a poser anymore. And if that wasn't bad enough, I was, um, I forget where I was. I think I was actually getting a haircut, haircut at Green Room uh, Barbers. Um, shout out Green Room Barbers for anybody, that, any guy in the room that needs a haircut. They're great. Um, great barbershop. I expect a free haircut, Dave. Um, but uh, uh, I think I was there, and somebody came up to me, and, um, and he said some name that I, I couldn't recognize. He's like, yeah, sat on the passing of so-and-so. And I'm like, huh? huh? I'm like, such a weird way to, like, first interact with somebody. He's like, yeah, sad, sad uh, that the, the drummer of Rolling Stones passed away, eh? Like, just so, so sad. And I'm like, yeah, man, totally, like nice to meet you. What's your name? Like, and he's like, yeah, just like, you know, really, really just rocked me that the Rolling Stones drummer passed away. 
And I'm like sitting like so confused. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about and uh, what's going on here. And uh, about three minutes into this conversation, because this guy was like, like really like, like broken. And I was like, man, I wish I could talk to you about this, but I, like, I have nothing. And uh, so I think he realized like the conversation was kind of going nowhere because I was just so confused. I was like, there's no introduction. It's just so sad. And he goes on and on and on about it. Anyway, at the end, he's like, dude, just so cool that you'd wear that shirt in honor of him today. And he kind of walked away. And I looked down, and here I am wearing a Rolling Stones, like, shirt. And I looked down, and I'm like, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> I'm, like, posing. I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 you got it wrong. Like, I just wear this because I think it makes me look cool. <laughs> you know, like, after I took off my jean jacket right now. It's got the sleeves cut off. Like, I just like the way it looked, you know. And, uh, and yet I could realize something was amiss in this moment, that, like, I was, I was doing all this stuff, but, and even in the right timing, but knew nothing about what this man was talking about. I like what my first worship pastor ever said, Keith Green. Keith Green, uh, my parents would have on in the house, and some of you don't know who that is. Um, but they, he, they would have him on in the house, like, that's what I'd fall asleep to. Uh, and he'd always say this. He said, um, going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger any more than going to church makes you a Christian. And such a simple thought. And yet, I wonder for some of us, if we realize that just doing the, the, the Christian stuff doesn't mean that we're walking with Jesus step in step. Just, just showing up to church, guys, is not enough. It's part of it. Like, let's show up and worship God. But even there, sometimes I wonder if we're still asleep when God is wanting his worship and we're just sitting there with stiff arms and critical eyes. And I wonder if we're here to worship God or if we're here just to do the Christian stuff, to know God but to not really know God. And, and the thing is, is that what we see within the scriptures is that these men knew God and it's, it's, it's what these religious leaders, like, like, this is the reason these guys won't shut up. It's because they were with him. And I just wonder today, are you with God? Are you, are you spending time with Jesus? Are you allowing the truths of Jesus to sink deep within you? Are you allowing it to revolutionize your life once again? Are you thinking back on the day of your salvation and going, God, I want you to mo I want this to well up out of me so that I may share this with the people that are around me. See, the reasons that these Religious leaders knew that these men had been with Jesus because they had a lifestyle that looked like Jesus. Their lives looked like Jesus. It's like you couldn't, you couldn't mistake in these people because they were doing the Jesus stuff. They knew Jesus, and they, or sorry, they knew Jesus, but they also knew Jesus to the point that it would change the way that they lived their lives. So that when they came across somebody that they didn't have money to give to, they said, listen, but we can give you healing because of Jesus' name. I mean, when has it been our response when somebody's going through something at work or, or in our family or neighbor that we would say, rather than thinking, oh, man, this is going to turn them off of Jesus to say, like, could I pray for you? But what if that's all you had to give? And what if that's what we gave? Like, like what if as a church, rather than making excuses for, God's, God, for God himself, like we're his PR team, like somehow he needs us in the year 2022 to make him softer to a world that desperately needs him. What if we actually carried this out with the good news of Jesus? What if we said, listen, I don't have anything to give you. I don't know the advice to give your situation. I don't know, but I could give you prayer and I can pray for healing in the name of Jesus and I believe that it's gonna come. They have lifestyles that looked like Jesus. This is how they knew that they were with Jesus, because they were doing the Jesus stuff. In Luke chapter 6, 46 to 49. Is this okay? I haven't preached like this in a really long time in our morning, and uh, 
it feels good because I also haven't worked out in a little while and I'm starting to sweat and I'm just like, oh man, this counts as an exercise, I think. I'm just so passionate about this. I'm so tired of living this life that I'm trying to like somehow PR this whole thing for God. And here, God's not asking us to PR him, public relations, put a spin on him to make him look better. God is looking for us to be faithful. But in Luke 6, Jesus says this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a person building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Listen, some of us are experiencing destruction in our lives. Some of us are experiencing destruction in our lives because we think we're building on the name of Jesus, but we're not putting into practice his words. Like if I, was to, if I was to quiz before I read this passage and I was to quiz everybody in this room, what does the rock in this story represent? Everybody would go, Jesus, build your house on Jesus. And yet that pa- the passage says, yes, Jesus, but it says more than that. It doesn't say just build your house on Jesus. It says anybody who puts my words into practice is like somebody who built their house on the rock. So what, what this means is like just saying, Jesus, I'm with you is not enough, but putting into practice what Jesus said is what allows the torrential rains that are going on around us to protect us from what's going on. It's only by putting it into practice that we get the protection that we're looking for. Now the Webbers just left and uh, it's too bad because I wanted to encourage them. You know, it was super encouraging to me. I was at the Weber's house um, this past week, and um, going to the Weber's is pretty much the same. Anytime we're there, you walk in, and they've got these um, videos just circulating of worship in their house, and, and uh, so they're just different worship bands. And yeah, band, you can you can come up, and uh, <clears throat> it's great. Like I, I love that I love that they have this going. And what's even what touches me even more, like my, touches my soul even more is sometimes I'll look at their little one lively. And uh, if you watch her in worship, she's like, she's like full out, just like, she doesn't even know what she's doing, I don't think, but she's just like worshiping. And like, um, when the Webbers miss a, a, a Sunday morning, they come to the Sunday evening, which is probably even just a great thing for everybody in the room right now. Like, you can come to the evening service. God's doing incredible things in our evening service. It's like 250 to 300 students that are just going for broke with God every single Sunday evening. And you should just come out and just experience it to, to know what, what we should be experiencing in the mornings as well. They will encourage you in your faith, but when they miss morning, they bring them to evening and, and little lively with their light up shoes will be dancing and it's just like so cute and her arms up in the air. And here's the thing, these things don't happen by accident. They're intentional. They're living out the lifestyle of Jesus. They're trying to show what it looks like to be consumed with God in every part of their lives. Religious leaders could tell that these men had been with Jesus not only because of their lifestyle, but because of their conviction. Have you ever heard this phrase um, by St. Francis of Assisi? Um, Preach the gospel always and 
if necessary, use words. Has anybody ever heard this? It's been so encouraging in seasons of my life. Well, um, I, I tried to look it up for the for the message, and I'm like, oh, that's such a great way to live a lifestyle and whatever else. And here's the thing, like St. Francis of Assisi never said those words. And like people have looked back through all of his biographies, all of his teachings, all of his writings, all of the recordings that have his, St. Francis didn't even come close to saying anything like that. I mean, he quoted James one time and said like, allow your deeds to match up with the gospel. Never said that. But for some reason, we love that one because it gets us out of speaking the gospel to those around us that we know we're responsible for sharing the gospel with. And what we read in Romans 10, 14 is that, is this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Guys, we gotta go out and share the good news of Jesus. It's only by preaching the good news of Jesus that people can hear it and respond to it. We can't just expect that our good lives live beside our neighbors is the only thing they need. They need our good lives and us willing to speak up for Jesus when we have the opportunity. And those are the things that will begin to transform those around us. I heard a story this past week, um, a couple weeks ago, our City Impact went out and they shared, uh, they were just giving out freezies and candy, I think like 300 freezies, 600 candy bags uh, to students on campus. And uh, as, as good students will do, they'll just, they just like flock over this stuff. And so our, our student City Impact teams have given it all away. Apparently they gave out these 900 items in literally 10 minutes, uh, which doesn't surprise me. We're gonna send them with like 15 times that much next time they go out. But uh, as they were doing it, and as I've gone out before, um, handing out Timbits on St. Patty's Day and all the rest, it's funny, but these, these guys kept getting these compliments, like, man, you're, you're angels. Like, man, did Jesus send you? Like, all of this very religious language. And it's so interesting, because in those moments, people get to say, like, actually, I, I think Jesus did send me. <laughs> and it's like a surprise, but, but they know in their spirit something's happening. Here's what I can say, is that it's not enough to live in the world. We have to reach the world. <laughs> It's not enough to just be okay having non-Christian. We actually gotta, we gotta speak the gospel to them in love. We gotta understand that the same Jesus that died for us died for those that do not know him. And the Holy Spirit, when we feel nervous about doing that, has come to empower us to share that good news. It's not as scary as it looks because we have God on our side. What I love is that in this passage, it says that these were ordinary men. They looked at them and they said they were unschooled, ordinary men. I think for a lot of us, you're like, well, I'm not Pastor Brandon, or I'm not this Bible teacher, or I'm, I don't, haven't listened to enough podcasts, or I haven't, or I, and I'm just insecure about my own faith in Jesus. Here's the thing. Jesus isn't looking for superstars. For some of us, we're far too satisfied with being impressive by the world standards, and we become completely unimpressive by the kingdom standards. And we have to understand that God is looking to raise up a church that will not only hoard what he has given them, but give it out freely because of the things it's been doing in our own lives. And out of that heart transformation, welling up like a spring to those around us, feeding them with the good news and the sustenance of the gospel, because that's what we've been put here to do. Can we stand up in this place? And Poppy, I will listen back to this message 
pray that God would help me to live up to it in the way that I'm calling us as a church to live up to it. Can we just close our eyes in this place? Maybe you're here today and you've never heard of the good news of Jesus that he died on a cross for our sins. If you're wondering why we're here today and why we went through all the effort to set up a, a temporary stage and, and lighting and, and, and speakers and had people welcome you in the parking lot as you came in, you're wondering what all this is for. What it's for is, is some of us, what's happened is, is what God's done in us, what Jesus has done in us is, has been welling up in us for, for sometimes years and sometimes months. And what's happening is we can't help but give God worship because Jesus died on a cross to bring us back into relationship with God. There's a book in the Bible called Romans, and it says whoever believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. So with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, because I don't want to manipulate anybody, I don't want to point anybody out, I just want to ask this question. Have you made a decision to follow Jesus, and would you like to make a decision to follow him today? It's as easy as confessing with your mouth and believing your heart. Then, to be honest, the hard part starts because then you've got to live it out. But if you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus and you'd like to make a decision to follow him this morning, every head bowed and eye closed, can you just raise a hand and just say, hey, you know what, today I think I want to make this decision. Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Let's pray. God, I thank you that right now, you're celebrating in heaven because of this decision that's been made in this room. And God, we celebrate with this individual because for those of us that have made a decision to follow you, God, we know how much of a difference you've made in our lives. So God, right now we pray that your Holy Spirit would come in, that your Holy Spirit would just just fill and, and lead and guide this individual as they step into the future you have for them. Pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, can we celebrate in this place? Let's just, let's just lock in while the, the band comes up because we're going to worship. Why don't we just all close our eyes? And... started Slate Church, Em and I got such a, a passion to start Slate Church as we heard that church plans um, see more people give their lives to Jesus than established churches. And I just wanted my friends on a hockey team to come and know who Jesus was, and so that was a good enough reason for me. And part of the reason that happens, and this isn't about established churches, because there's a lot of wonderful established churches here in our city. Um, but one of the reasons this happens is because as Christians mature, they stop sharing their faith, which is not maturity. And I want to be really honest. This is a pastoral moment. If you're a guest of Slate Church this morning, you might be like, man, this guy's been really hard on his church. I don't usually, like, I'm not usually this impassioned. But I want to pastor us for just a moment. What I've seen in our church is that the evening service with all of those immature Christians continues to bring non-Christians into the presence of God and people are giving their lives to Jesus at record amounts. 
I mean like, like minimum 10 every week. Minimum. And what I can tell is that they just aren't embarrassed enough to bottle up what God's doing inside. Or they haven't went through their whole friend group and they're like, I did it. They make new friends. But when somebody rejects Jesus in one conversation, they shake off the dust and they go introduce him and do another one. And what I want to just say and encourage our morning service for those of us that are more mature in our faith, what are we doing? What am I doing? Because I once had a membership at a gym for the sole reason of talking to people about Jesus. I haven't been to that gym in a long time. What are we doing? And are we allowing the truth of the gospel to well up so deeply within us that it's just natural to share this faith? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just wonder, like, my hand, if I didn't have to hold a mic, I'd have both hands up this morning. This is just a chance for us to respond and then worship. I just wonder if there's those of us today that are just asking God for a new filling of his presence and therefore a new call to go out to those people that have been coming to our minds as I've been speaking this morning. If you're just here this morning, you're just going, no, I, I need this transformation deeper so that it will well up and go out from me. If that's you, can you just raise your hands in this place as we just begin to pray and worship? Jesus, you see our hands up all across this place. God, we're not beating ourselves up because, God, we'll go through rhythms. And often, sometimes, all I need is for you to wake me up as I'm speaking and, like, convict me. You better be doing this if you're speaking on it. And, God, for some of us, all we needed was this message this morning. So, God, may we not walk away with shame or guilt, but, God, may we walk away with a holy conviction that we've been placed in this world and that nobody else is coming to the spheres you've placed us in to reach them with the good news of Jesus, but you put your Holy Spirit in us and that you plan on doing it through us. And so God, right now, I pray that you just begin to well up a new spirit inside of us, to well up a new passion inside of us, well up a new conviction inside of us that we would go out from this place, not scared of those outside of these four walls, but so impassioned by the gospel and so with so much love towards those outside of these four walls that we couldn't help but share who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said, come on church, let's worship. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.